Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Life Mastery Podcast where we are tackling health, wealth, wisdom, and spirituality. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. Today we have an incredible conversation with a dear brother of mine. His name is David Sutcliffe. He is a men's transformational coach. He does a lot of work around relationships, polarity, men's health, and... um, Wow, this conversation was truly transformative, especially for all the men that are going to be listening to this, not just the men though, also for the women, so you can better understand men, you can understand your men, and also understand the very real challenges that men deal with in our modern age, the silent epidemic of men's health, Um, That This conversation goes into so many different directions, and I'm really grateful and proud that me and my brother here, David, we took the opportunity to drop into this conversation. I was on his podcast before, and then we went right back and then did this episode for this podcast. I know you are going to get so much out of this, whether you're a man or a woman, It is going to be so educational. I think it's going to be really eye-opening. Some of the topics that we got into was men's mental and emotional health, dispelling the myth of toxic masculinity, masculine and feminine polarity in relationship and dating, what creates attraction for both men and women. David tells his story of how him and his partner Diana slowly built their relationship, some of the challenges that they've gone through, and how they've been able to create a successful conscious relationship. We also go really deep into the negative effects of pornography on men's mental and sexual health. We talk about why men need to stop masturbating and redirect their energy into productive life-affirming habits. We also go pretty deep into how estrogen-based environmental toxins affect men's hormonal health, mental health, and also um, you know, potentially lead to different forms of cancer. You're going to find that really, really eye-opening. And then, of course, the silent epidemic of suicide amongst men and some of the reasons behind it. And so much more. This was really a remarkable conversation, and I'm really excited for you to listen to it. I'm excited to get your feedback on it because it's such a timely conversation for all of us. Again, whether we're men or women, this is one of those conversations that uh, is just really going to be a a deep eye-opener, and I think it's going to be a big heart-opener as well. So I'm excited to share this with you. Before we get into it, I also want to let you know about a product line that I recently just became introduced to. It's a product line called Newtopia. Newtopia is by far, in my estimation, in my experimentation, the best nootropic stack of products I've ever experimented with. Now, nootropics are brain optimization supplements, brain health, cognitive performance, focus, memory retention mental health, even emotional health regulating products. And um, nootropics are something that I've been playing with for at least 10 years. I've probably experimented with every major nootropic brain supplement on the market. And some I've found in varying qualities of potency and efficacy. Most of them don't work. Some of them work temporarily. Some of them um, feel overstimulating and kind of put me in a stress response. And so I just, I staved away from all the brain supplements for a while. 
And then through a really amazing synchronicity, I got connected to this company, Newtopia, and it has been literally changing my life. It's been changing my mental my mental performance, my stress regulation, my nervous system regulation, my ability to focus and stay on task and get through tasks. And I'm writing a book right now on dopamine, and it's the most cognitively expensive book I've ever written. It's my ninth book, and it requires an immense amount of cognitive focus and these products have been helping me significantly. So I wanna share this with you. Go to the website, www.newtopia, that's spelled N-O-O-T-O-P-I-A.com, newtopia.com, and I recommend if you're gonna purchase one of their products, go for either their second tier or their third tier package. They don't just sell individual products because everybody has a different neurochemistry and so they customize it for the individual's needs and I recommend you either get their second tier or their third tier because you're going to get the most bang for your buck and they also have a lifetime uh, return policy. So for if any reason you don't feel the effects or you're not happy with it, they will give you your money back, no questions asked. That's amazing. The discount code is Health Mastery. That's all one word, Health Mastery. You're gonna get a nice discount on your order and you can let me know your feedback. I know that it's going to be a very powerful addition to your health optimization protocol. So again, the website is www.newtopia.com, discount code Health Mastery. Without further ado, let's get into our episode with David Sutcliffe. Welcome to another edition of the Life Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Ronnie Landis, and I'm here with a good brother of mine, David Sutcliffe, and we've known each other for some time. How did we originally meet? Was it at Kuya, or was it... No, man, we met over at Third Eye Meditation Lounge. Uh Uh-huh. You were meeting Diana. Oh, that's right. She designed your book cover. Yes. And uh, so we met there briefly. And then, uh, yeah, I started seeing you around. Um, yeah, Kuya and other places. and uh, But yeah. yeah, through Diana. Okay. And Diana is your partner. Mm-hmm. And Diana is like a close friend and, and business project partner of mine. Over many years, we, we did a lot of projects together. Yeah. So very close friends and have had a professional creative relationship. She's been instrumental in a lot of the branding and creative inspiration for a lot of my books and my projects. So I owe a lot to her. Yeah, she's the best. She's she's very fond of you. Yeah, 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 and likewise. Yeah. And give her a huge shout out. And uh, so that's cool. That's how we met. I remember that. And then I remember meeting you at Kuya at different times and getting Mm -hmm. to know you more on an individual level. And uh, you were and are doing work with men in sweat lodges mm-hmm. and um, different like men's development work. Yeah. I know you're really deep into that. And we just did a podcast for your podcast uh-huh. and went wildly <laughs> deep into every conspiratorial topic and men's yeah. development yeah. and relationship, polarity dynamics and what's going on with men and women and Andrew Tate drama. Yeah. And- it was good. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fun. So, you know, what 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 is your work all about just leading into this? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, well, I'm a, a certified cornergetics practitioner. Cornergetics is a somatic psychotherapy, somatic of the body. 
and we use different physical techniques. Like we, you know, you're here in my studio and I showed you, we have these uh, big foam blocks and we have batakas and we have mattresses and pillows. And, uh, you know, you go to therapy and, or you hear these stories, people say, oh, you need a place to go and scream and hit pillows and get it all out. Well, that's, uh-huh. that's essentially <laughs> what we do. It's not that simple. It's not just primal therapy, you get in a room and scream and hit. It's very intentional. Um, it's very much connected to the things that happened in your past. We all have feelings inside us that we hold back, things we know about and things we don't know. And um, they need to be exercised from the body. They live in the body stored as uh, trauma and memories, uh, pain, anger, rage, fear. And, uh, you know, we create a space for people to come in and uh, to feel and express Mm -hmm. that aspect of themselves uh, and to liberate themselves, uh, not only from the, the physical holding in the body, but also from all the distortions that are created in in the mind mm-hmm. uh, through the holding of this uh, these emotions in the body, the false conclusions that the trial mm-hmm. the child drew mm-hmm. from their experiences, um, yeah. Yeah. and that's the hardest thing uh, for people to face, right? Like yeah. uh, just the, the beliefs that we become attached to, that become we become identified with, and so like any personal transformation, personal development work. It involves a uh, a disillusion of mm. the identity of the ego, and uh, and stepping into the higher self and and connecting with that aspect of who we are, so that we can bring our our full selves, our full aliveness mm. uh, into the world. Yeah, yeah, well said. What what does that process look for somebody when they come into your doorstep, or they're just starting their journey, or maybe they're a little into their journey? What is what does that process look like? that disassociation from their ego identity, who they believe they are, the traumas, the conclusions that have been formed within that that personality structure, mm-hmm. that mask, if you will. Yeah. And like that process of unmasking and, and um, whatever is underneath that mask to get to that has to be cleaned out to get to that authentic self. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a it's a uh, takes time that process, right? We have to unlearn what we right. have learned and we grow up in an environment and we have to adapt to that environment, right? Uh, our primary objective as a child is to stay connected and in favor with our caregivers. We are vulnerable and helpless. So our best survival strategy is to stay connected to mommy and daddy and to stay in their good graces. So we are mm. going to shape ourselves mm. in some way to fit what we perceive they want from us. And that's our primary objective. So that's what we do. And that becomes our, our idealized self, our the mask self, or, and it becomes our identity. But it happens at such a young age, it feels like who we are. Yeah. And so aspects of ourself that our environment is saying we like or are helpful to our survival, um, we are going to accentuate and we're going to let that aspect of us come out. And the aspects of us that are directly or indirectly uh, negated or said no to, or we feel it's not safe, it's not helping in our survival, <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to uh, disown and disassociate. Mm-hmm. Even things that aren't seen or recognized, right? Like I grew up a very creative kid, but that part of me was not seen or understood or recognized. So when I became an actor, it took me a long time to even develop uh, an identity around that I'm a creative person. Even to this day, mm. it's hard for me to even 
think of myself as a creative person because that wasn't seen or recognized in my yeah. household, right? It was like I was an athlete and that was became my identity. So usually when people come in, um, it's when they start to feel that they're not being uh, fully authentic with mm-hmm. themselves in their lives. Mm-hmm. There's some longing. They can't maybe yeah. put their finger on it. Something's not right or they see patterns in their lives or in their relationships and they start to realize like, oh, I'm I'm the consistent one in this pattern. I'm mm-hmm. I'm always the one yeah. who's having the fight with the boss or the fight with the boyfriend or the girlfriend. There's something inside me that I'm not aware of. Yeah. And um, so the work that we do is trying to make people aware of that thing. And we start with um, exactly that, like identifying the mask. What are the belief systems that you have? about yourself and about the world, right? And just start there. What are the judgments that you have about yourself and the world? Because that that all reveals mm-hmm. the mask. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you trying to show up in the world? Um, what it, What is your idealized self-image? What are you trying to project out into the world? Because that is going to uh, demonstrate or reveal to them and to the therapist um, how they had to shape themselves, uh, how they had to adapt when they were children. So that's the starting point. Yeah. Right. And that's a scary process because if that's all you know, it's hard to give that up. Right. Right. That's how you survived. Right. All these tactics and strategies and beliefs, that's what allowed you to survive your childhood. So it's very hard to convince somebody to give that up. It doesn't feel safe. It feels Mm -hmm. wrong Mm -hmm. on some level. Mm -hmm. Right. And that is the journey of self-development of therapy. It's like you have to you have to let go of what is known and then walk through that period of time where you don't really know exactly who you are but something is calling you like in the darkness there is a light and you can feel it and you know it it's the higher self mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. the the deeper aspect and you have to trust that you have to believe in that yeah. right that there's something else calling you and the way we think about it at least when we're working with people is it's like we're saying yes to our aliveness mm-hmm. right so when we do workshops the the name of the game is don't hold back this is a space where you don't have to hold back anything. Say yes to everything, everything mm. that wants to come through you. Mm. Uh, there's no right or wrong. There's no mistakes that you can make. You can't, you can't uh, hit somebody um, or hit yourself or you know smash something. But other than that, everything is pretty much fair game. You can say full what expression. you want. Full expression, right? Yeah. Now we create the container for that right. so that it feels safe. And you know we we're skilled and we have techniques that we use to keep it uh, directed and intentional. But um, I mean, just that invitation alone. Like, here's a space. Here's a weekend. Here's a session where you don't have to hold back anything. Let everything that everything inside you that wants to come through you let it come through and trust in that. Believe in that. Say yes to all your aliveness, and see where it takes you. And what happens is that it will always take you, if you follow it, to the center of your pain. Mm-hmm. Whatever it mm-hmm. is, if you follow it, it's going to take you to the center of your pain. Yeah. And that's what we're yeah. all trying to avoid. Right? right. Right. Yeah. That's what we're all trying to avoid consciously or unconsciously until we make the discovery that the the cave that you most don't want to enter is the one that uh, holds all the, all the, the gifts. Yes. You know, to paraphrase Carl Jung. And... Um, so there's a few there's a few questions that have a central theme that I want to I want to open up with you. And it's all around masculinity, um, men's healing, 
what it what it is not not really what it is to be a man but what men are dealing with Mm -hmm. more specifically um what men are going through the silent epidemic Mm -hmm. that is men's trauma yeah and uh that's that's a deep one and um as two men that are deep in that work and understand that you know that conversation very well we just had a, a micro conversation about that on your podcast yeah you know and even talking about the phenomenon of Andrew Tate and what he represents to two men and four men and as a man. I'm curious, what what do you feel like is what is the silent epidemic that men are dealing with that most people, especially women, don't recognize or know? Shame, I think, primarily. Okay. Just just a deep sense of shame about um who they are. Mm. And uh you know I think in large part, listen, society had to evolve. Right. And I think pendulum swing. And I think there was a a, a patriarchal uh, totalitarian kind of energy. Um, and that was destructive, ultimately. I think it was necessary for a period of time. Um, but it became distorted. It became corrupted. And that is real. Yes. yes. And, um, and so the pendulum swung. Um, you know, women's empowerment, feminism, and the message that I received was, you know, step back, uh-huh. you know, like yeah. give space for the women yeah. and the don't be too loud. Don't be too strong. Don't be too forceful. Don't be macho. All of these things are bad. And then of course you had through the seventies, sixties and seventies, um, uh, a lot more divorce, Right. So you had a lot of men like myself growing up without fathers around. And so you and then mothers, many mothers, not all telling themselves that that was okay, like they could be the father and the mother for the child. We now know that that's uh, not true and that children uh, desperately need their fathers around. So I think the a lot of men oriented towards the mother. And when you have a mother without a man around, she's going to unconsciously make that child the man. Right, right. She's going to project her needs onto that child, whether she's conscious of it or not. I don't think it's a nefarious thing. I just Mm -hmm. think it's something that happens. And um, that is not a healthy dynamic for either of them. And what happens for the, the child, the son... And this is what happened in my case, is that you then feel like it's my duty, my responsibility to care for the woman's needs. Yes. But it's not just like my duty, my responsibility. It's like how I learn to survive. Right. Like I have to take care of my mother's needs because if I don't, she's not stable or a tenable person in the world. So I need to provide that support so that I can survive and feel safe. The the bind, of course, is the child knows that they can't actually do that. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So it's a hopeless, ultimately failed endeavor. Wow. And so the response to that is shame, mm. right? And a feeling of helplessness and hopelessness. And so I think that is um, deeply embedded in, in a lot of men. And I think it causes them frustration in the relationship. They don't know what to do. 
They don't know how to make sense of it. They're trying to be good in relationship, mm. good to their their woman. Uh, but they they're what they're doing is unconsciously acting out the same dynamic that they had with their mother. And of right. course, that is uh, on one level for women, it can be initially a sort of attractive because the man can come off as sensitive and caring it and provide safety, provide safety. But in the long term, it's going to it's going to repulse her. It's unattractive. It's unattractive. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's oriented to her, not to himself and to his mission which is ultimately the thing that's going to attract her mm. to him is that because yeah. of, uh, just on a you know an evolutionary survival level she wants to know that her man is taking care of business he's out fucking uh, that he, her ne- that him hunting for food you know is more important than taking care of her needs that is her fucking need you know right ultimately. right 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 and he's got to be focused and fixated on that not on her what's going on for her emotionally right. at the time Right, and the way that women and men process emotions and process energy is very different. I mm-hmm. think we've we've gotten it <clears throat> we've gotten it inverted just the way that we've been taught through examples like you've explained. I know that I've only through relationship have I seen those patterns in myself play out because I'm very much a romantic. I love being in love, especially I mean solely when I'm with someone that I love. Yeah, and so it's natural to. To be in that energy, but then, you know, the imbalances can really happen when you kind of, you, you get into a vortex of that, especially as a man, when I'm like, when I drop into that, that, that vortex of love, now we're spending all of our time Mm -hmm. together. We're all in this, this warm, gooey, loving space. (laughs) And we're talking about all these, these things, the, the future ideas and visions, but nothing's really being done. Right. Right. Now I'm not on my mission anymore. Now I'm super comfortable. Yeah. And then so it, it kind of atrophies that masculine initiative mm-hmm. and that motivation and that necessary um, that necessary discomfort to stay a little bit on edge mm-hmm. so that I'm always on my game. Yeah. And that I'm not getting too into emotions. Not mm-hmm. to say that emotions have anything to do with the absence of masculinity, but getting caught in my emotions, getting yeah. too identified with yeah. my emotions, thinking with my emotions versus yeah. being rational, logical, and, and kind of detached mm-hmm. in a lot of ways from not feeling the emotions, but not identifying with the emotions as if this says anything about me, like my yeah. worth or my value. And that's kind of what I'm hearing. And so. I mean, it's it's a deep topic. Just again to like the polarity dynamic of yeah. it. Um, I'm happy. I'm happy to go there. Well, I mean, I would just say in response to what you just said that um, one of the things that I I talk about in my work a lot is just don't betray yourself because, don't, because that, the that's moment right. you betray yourself for somebody else, yeah, even your partner, yeah, um, that is a recipe for resentment. Especially if you do it over and over and over again, you like you, you can, becoming resentful of them, or are they becoming resentful of you. Well, it could be both. Both, right? Right. But if if I'm betraying myself, my mission, what it is that I really want to be doing, um, for their need, or I mean, repeatedly over and over again. Obviously, yeah. there's there's it's a habit that develops. It's over a time. habit that develops, and it's an orientation. It's ultimately, I, it doesn't serve anything. I don't want. I don't it, want anyone betraying themselves for me. Right. I don't want Diana betraying herself in any way for me if she, if I, there's something that i need and she's in the middle of something like i and she wants to make a choice a conscious choice to be like okay i'm going to drop what i'm doing this thing i'm going to come tend to you 
that's a different thing. But if she does it out of a sense of obligation or because it's the right thing to do, I don't want her to do that because I'm manipulating her in some way. I'm seducing her so in some way. So in some way, what I'm hearing you say is on on a on a subconscious level, you're you know that a that person's not being the person that you are attracted to in that moment, right. and on some level, you're manipulating her, or she's, or it's playing out an unconscious. Man- it may not be you actually manipulating her, but it's playing out an unconscious manipulation. So, on some level, you don't feel good about that either. No, of course not. Of course not. Listen, I think I remember. I remember I was dating. This is back when I was like thirty-five. Is in Hollywood, and I was dating a uh, very famous, very attractive uh, movie star. And I used to have this, I used to volunteer every Sunday. And she was like, oh, you know, it's, we can never hang out on Sundays. You know, she kind of complained about it. And I said, well, I can switch it, you know, for, for Saturday. And uh, I can do it on Saturday. We can hang out next, next Sunday. And I did. And I came over and she was moody and pouty and not interested in me. And... I couldn't figure out what was going on. I was resentful uh-huh. about it. Mm. And then I thought about it later and I thought, you know, like I gave up something for her. Yeah. That was not attractive to her. What would have been attractive for me to say is, uh, yeah, I'm committed to this every week and this is what I do. And, yeah. you know, that's what it is. Yeah. And uh, I gave myself away to accommodate her complaint. But I think unconsciously she was just testing me to see how resolved I was. And I think that's what the feminine does. And you said I, it's key you said unconsciously. Unconsciously. It's not a nefarious thing. Of course, right. if she, if a woman if the feminine has to surrender, which they do at some point to the masculine, right? If you want to have a baby, you want to be pregnant, you're you know, at a certain point you're kinda of helpless, right? You you have to rely on the man to take care of you. You have to rely on him to provide. You can't be working, really. And um, so that's a kind of surrender. And so you want to feel like you can trust this guy. And so one of the things you're going to do in the courtship uh, process is to test his resolve. Right. And so you're going to, hey, would you do this for me? Would you do this? Could you take your time off? These little things that are kind of like a little silly sometimes. Yeah. Which should be kind of clues. They Exactly. Right. And you've got as a man, I mean, you can't be super rigid and, you know. It's not like a big emergency. Right. But you've got to, you've got to be like, my mission is first, right? right I think that's right. where data gets it right. Like, right, your mission right, has right. to be the most important thing. Right. And she has to feel that. And she's going to test that. And she's going to complain about that. Like, no, I want to be first, not your mission. And, but the second you make her more important than your mission, she's, that's the polarity is gone. She's not going to be attracted to you. And that's a hard thing I think for men to um, connect with. Um, And they, and they feel in some way that it's wrong, especially given the conditioning that they may have experienced with in the situation that I was just talking about with the absent father. And especially if you're raised by a mother, it's kind of inherent. Yeah. That's what you think is the right thing to do to orient. Because you love your mother. (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly i mean and you so by by virtue of that you love women mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of it's a it's a bit of an onion to unpeel yeah yeah it's really it's it's a it's a paradigm shift but once you get it yeah right once like you get that the, that the polarity is actually more important than like the friendship of the relationship ah. it's the polarity is the thing like a and here's the test. Do you want to fuck each other? Right. 
I don't care for friends. If we want to fuck each other, I mean, obviously we want to get along and have nice conversations and all that and enjoy time together. But if we don't want to fuck each other, what's the point? So I want to work on, you know, making sure that the polarity is in, is is good in such a way that that heat, that passion is there. What does that look like? It definitely doesn't look like we're spending all of our time together. It definitely doesn't definitely look like not. me giving up right. work right. to spend time with her. It doesn't mean that I I my work is, you know, 80 hours a week and I never right. spend any time with her. Right. That's not what it is, but it's like, you know, um I have to make my mission the priority. That's ultimately going to turn her on and you know this well that turns you on too so just like of course just, just on the level of like men's health yes right because that's so much of what i think this podcast is going to be about just on the level of men's health and what what increases masculine vitality right which which invert which as by osmosis will do the same in your feminine partner yeah Right. So it's not even so it's not even that it's for the because a lot of men will hear this and will hear things like this as a as a way to, okay, how do I get a woman to like me? How do I get a woman to want me? It's like, all right, that that's that's a good step in the right direction, but it's still the wrong that's still the wrong attitude. Yeah, the way you get a woman to like and want you is to focus on your fucking mission. Is right. to be like single minded in pursuit of what it is that you want to bring the world. That is what's hot. You know what I mean? And hit the fucking gym, make yourself as attractive as possible. It's off it's always good to make money. Women like it when you can provide. Sorry, <laughs> this is what helpful. it is. It's you know what I mean? Helpful. Money is a good thing. Right. Uh, it's not the only thing. I mean, the mission is more important that you're connected to something. That's what's attractive. You're a man on a mission, right? So focus on your mission. And if you do that and you're committed to it, women are going to find that attractive. They'll come to you. Don't worry about it. Right. And so the point I'm making is that in order to actually do that, you have to have a paradigm shift where it's not for the woman. It's, it's not, not, it's woman, not no. about the woman. No. You have to train your body because you intrinsically want to train your body. That's right. You have to build a business or be or whatever. It doesn't have to be a yeah. you know, there's a whole entrepreneurial fixation. So that's related to mission. That may may or may not be your mission. But that energy of mission and purpose. Yeah. And and uh you know, like in yeah, mission, purpose, and um, direction, mm-hmm. directionality. That's a, so. The, the actually, okay, I want to actually yeah, use that word. word because I feel like for me as a man, having directionality is so critically important. I need to know where I'm going. I need to know what I'm doing today. I like to be in flow, but I have to have structure in order to flow in a way that I have direction. Otherwise. I'm aimless. I'm I'm off guard. I'm I'm off my game. It just feels weird. It feels off. It feels purposeless. Mm-hmm. So all these things are like anchors to direct my energy. Yeah, and it has to be for me. That's right. And then and so like the more that I've the more that I've been able to orient to it, even though if it's a little bit for a woman, we break up or we separate or whatever. Yeah, there is still that like I I, I go into my individuation, I go back to myself, I get mm-hmm. back to myself. There's still a little bit of that like mm-hmm. that connection to the feminine or mm-hmm. or wanting to be better because I know that it will attract the feminine. Yeah. But the more I go deeper into that work, then it becomes less and less about anything outside of me, and it becomes all about my own development. And I do find that that the less I I need, mm-hmm. less I'm attached yeah. to that or really anything for yeah. that matter, um, the 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 more it comes to me. Yeah. Well, what women don't want to have to do is validate you, right? 
that's not attractive because we don't really like validating them either. No. I don't want to constantly be telling my woman that I love her. I love you. I love you. I love you. You look so great. You look so sexy all the time. I mean, you they need that. And I, we need that. I need to feel appreciated. I need thank you. Appreciate, you know, whatever, whatever it is that I'm doing. Right. I want to be appreciated. And they want to feel adored. And you have to give that to them. But Absolutely. if it's a, if it's compulsively neurotic, right. it's unattractive. Or you're just trying to make her feel better. Yeah. Yeah, and and men can have that too, where they feel deeply insecure about their their attractiveness, their lovability, and and you know you have to get to the root of that. You know you have to figure out what that's about, and the best way to overcome that, the best way to feel good about yourself, is not through a woman. It's through your work. It's through your mission. It's through your purpose. It's by hitting the gym. It's by right. eating healthy. Right. right. All of those things make you feel good about yourself. That's what gives you confidence. And if you have confidence, again, you're going to attract. The woman, women are attracted to men with confidence, men who are taking care of their business. So that becomes the priority. And if men could just focus on that, being directional, being intentional, that the women will just come. You don't have to go out there looking so much, you know, just Mm. just, because I think that's how it works. I think women choose. Women choose the men. Right, that they want to mate with. Mm. And so in some way, you know, you're, you're waiting to be chosen. It's like and, like women choose the men they want to mate with and men choose the woman they want to have a relationship with. Right. Is that correct? Um, there's something there there's there's a rabbit hole there I yeah. don't necessarily want to go deep into, <laughs> but I feel like there's there's definitely a truth to that. Mm-hmm. Where women are the gatekeepers to sex and men are the gatekeepers to relationship. Right. Well, I think if you are a viable man and you have many options. Well, that, that's well that's the that that's yeah, right. Yeah. From that perspective. From that perspective. You have to be viable. Um, I mean, here's the thing for me, right? Like I, I just I was on the surface extremely viable. Uh when I was, you know, younger, I was successful, I was famous, I made good money, I was handsome, all of it. I was the whole package. And I certainly had lots of attention from women, but um I was neurotic. Mm. And uh I was I would give myself up. Mm. I would betray myself for the woman, for her need, uh, as you know, the story that I told earlier demonstrated. And so that um, uh, repelled women. And I had a hard time with, with women and, and, and finding a real satisfaction in relationship because of that. Right. So I do, I do think, you, you know, it's, it's being viable is also being confident. Right. Right. And if you are viable, you're going to have lots of options. And so then the choice becomes, yeah, then you have choice. Like, who do I want to have a relationship? Who do I want to bear my children in some way? And and who do I want to dedicate my life to? Right. Mm. Because once you take that on, that's then your responsibility. Right. And so you want to be really careful about, right. you know, who who you invite in and that they're going to um, support you that they are going to be a good compliment to you and that they are a responsible person. And that's why I think, you know, it's important to vet people um, to move slowly in relationship, right. I think is really important right? because um, we all get diluted uh, and we have to get through the Eros phase um, uh-huh. and then to see what the relationship actually is. And I think when we dive in too quick, often we can get, um, you know, we can get lost in the fantasy. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yep. I know about that one. Well, me me too. <laughs> you know, that's why my relationship with Diana was, was great because, you know, first we had distance. Yeah. 
and well, we had a lot of distance, and that that slowed it down, and uh, and so there was a long time where it was like, are are we doing this? Are we not doing this? We're kind of dating. We're kind of seeing mm. each other, and then I wasn't when I moved to Austin. She was in Miami, and I thought that was the end of it. And then I just I made a decision. I was like, that's a good woman. Yeah, you know, just like yeah, simplest yeah. term. Like I'm attracted yeah. to her. My body wants her. Okay, that's a good sign. My body wants her. Um, and then I was like, that's a good woman. Mm. And then I made a choice. And not that it's been easy yeah. since that choice, but um, I also chose somebody that, and I, did, I didn't know this. I've tested her and she's tested me, but that we can get through the hard times with. Yeah. All right. Somebody I can yeah. get through the hard times with. Somebody who's uh, willing to, to do the the difficult work and when we were going through it i'll be honest i didn't i wanted to leave she was always like no i'm in this 100 percent." and i was always like fuck this this shouldn't <laughs> be this hard this is fucking crazy we're yeah. fighting all the time yeah and fortunately i have a couple of good um friends women friends who are like colleagues in in my work who are both married and been, both been married for a long time who said to me, this is normal. I went through this. It just, <laughs> just stay, just work through it. You're going to get through it and you're going to come out the other side. And they were both, wow. they were right. And I needed to hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they also know me very well. They know how difficult I can be and how much fear I have in relationship. Right. Because I had a devouring mother, right? I had a mother who was like mm. kind of on top of me. Mm. And so my whole orientation towards getting a relationship is getting I'm going to be swallowed up. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's her rules. I don't have any autonomy. I don't have any authority. I'm I'm there to take care of her. Yeah. And so all relationships were for me was uh, I, I would ultimately feel just a shitload of resentment. And, uh, and I would look for all the, you know, confirmation bias. I would look for all the evidence of 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 why i couldn't trust them and uh, it was finally with diana where um i just you know did the work that i had to do to to come into reality so that i could actually um have a a stable grounded loving committed real yeah relationship yeah yeah that's again that's all really beautifully expressed and shared and there's a lot there's a lot in there that we could even go deeper on to into. Yeah. Um piggybacking on that in an indirect way, what what are your thoughts on this this new emerging or re-emerging model of masculinity? I, I guess actually a better way to phrase it. So we've gone through the feminine the feminineism era. Yeah. <laughs> right. That you kind of brought up and now and then we've moved through the intermediary of that. And then and then we talked a little bit about the silent epidemic of what men are dealing with, particularly in shame. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say there's there's other related aspects of sure. depression. Yeah. Um, suicide, suicidal ideations, mm-hmm. um, impotence, porn yeah. induced direct. OK, this is actually good. Let me go in this direction. Porn induced erectile dysfunction. Um, you know, oh, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like HRT, hormone replacement therapy, testosterone replacement therapy. I mean, there, there's so many different, there's so many different things to look at when it comes to men's health that I don't think most people are really that familiar with. Not even most men, Mm. because a lot of men, when they have shame, they don't look at it. 
they put it underneath the rug, right? Because yeah. it's too painful to look at. Yeah. My penis doesn't work. And I'm watching pornography and I feel guilt and shame, but I push it underneath the rug every time. Yeah. Then I'm probably not going to put two and two together because I have to actually look at the thing first. Mm-hmm. Um, pornography is something that I've been, you know, I've been looking at with a microscope for many years. I, I've been in it. I've felt all that. I've gone mm-hmm. through it. Um, this thing around porn-induced erectile dysfunction is a huge epidemic. Most people don't really realize it. Up to you know, we have a we have a impotence rate and an infertility rate of much over fifty percent. Ten years, the statistic was fifty percent of all men um, are infertile. They have lower than normal sperm count. What is going on there? Well, what's going on? I mean, I mean, there's multiple things. Um, the, the xenoestrogen exposure and pollution is a massive right. the hormone disruptors, basically right Their testosterone, their human growth hormone are massively disrupted and inverted. They're producing too much of the wrong kind of, um, estrogen, which is also related to testicular and prostate cancer, cancers of all kinds, breast cancer, um, cervical cancer, etc. um, and that that's a massive issue. So, you know, plastic bottled water, tap water, right. um, frankenfood, soy, you know, all this right. all soy milk, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's all laden with Scary. synthetic estrogen, which is literally what's called aromatization. So it's aromatizing, meaning converting the free testosterone into different types of estrogen, which are all contributors to different parts of different forms of cancer. Wow. So that's wild. So there's so there's a massive assault on masculinity biologically, chemically, yeah. psychologically, relationally, gender wars, the whole thing. Well, you could say whatever the fuck you want about men in the culture right, right now. You could just disparage them in any way. This whole idea of toxic masculinity, I mean Yeah, great. Let's go into that. Yeah, because it's it's here's the thing. People like toxic masculinity. It's like, well, you're saying masculinity is toxic. They're like, No, we're not saying that. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying aspects of masculinity are toxic. We're not saying all masculinity is toxic. It's like, well, if you know anything about persuasion and hypnosis, you know that the unconscious mind cannot distinguish between those things. So when you're saying toxic masculinity, the brain, the unconscious here is masculinity is toxic. Those two words are together. And if you're four years old, you're five years old, you're six years old, you're seven years old, that's what you hear. That's what you internalize. It's fucking evil. That phrase is fucking evil, and it's. I really do believe no, this. I, I agree people with using you. I it are fucking. Agree. I'm not saying they're they're intentionally nefarious. I think there's a lot of people have a lot of resentment towards men, yes. and understand they have a lot of good reason to. Yes, yes, right for sure. I'm not suggesting that they don't, but um, it's a spell. It's a yeah. It's a spell. It's a luciferic spell. Hundred percent, and. Um, the, again, the problem is not lack of, uh, you know, uh, toxic masculinity. It's a lack of masculinity. It's a lack of masculinity. Right? I mean, I, I'm not the first one to say this. I mean, it's not my idea, but the toxic masculinity is, in fact, the feminized masculine, right? Yes. So if you're not embodied in, the, in your masculine, which is responsibility, which is duty, which is fucking being a provider, yeah. being humble, being of service. I mean, again... Go back, watch all the fucking old John Wayne, Gary Cooper movies. What were those guys like? They were men who were humbly of service. That's yeah. what those fucking movies are about. Well, That's even what those the, archetypes even are all about. The, the shows in like the 90s, 
like Highlander and uh, right. like Renegade and like these different, you know, these different popular like hour long like heroes journey shows of these these men. They were like they were like real heroes. Yeah, and they loved women and they they went on adventures and they and saved women love them. Right, it was like those were like actual men. Yeah. That's what that's what we like. That's what women like. Now we got Ren and Stimpy and Beavis and Butthead, or we did, and, mm-hmm. and God knows what, this, uh, whatever that SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about SpongeBob. Oh my God! But I don't know. You know, I don't know how you. You know, going back to pornography. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't. You know, I'm I'm 53. So the wow. internet didn't come until I was in like 30. Basically. Right. right. So I think I got my first email address at 29. So I didn't grow up with porn. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you had to go magazines or yeah. you had to go to the store and buy or like some VHS videotape. Right. Yeah. But I yeah. didn't. It wasn't everywhere the way it is now. I don't know what the fuck I would have done when I was 17 years old. And there's porn everywhere. I probably would have been jerking off six times a day. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what we do about this. How do you how do you tell a kid, a 17 year old, a 19 year old? To have the discipline, hormones are fucking streaming through their body 24-7. I mean, I know what I was like when I was 16, 17. I mean, it just, it, I was constantly distracted by yeah. women. Yeah. I mean, it's all I would think about, right? And so I don't know what we do about this phenomenon because I, I think it's almost impossible to ask a, a, a kid that old to have the discipline to stay off porn. You know, it's so enticing. So I, I don't, yeah, I, I guess I don't know what is the what is the solution. It's different when you're talking about, a tw- you know, a 25, I think it's still hard. You know, once you get into the 30s, it's like, okay, bro, you got to take responsibility for this. You can't be fucking jerking off all day long. It's not yeah. good for you. You can't be watching yes. these images all day long. It's yes. going to distort you. You're not going to be able to get into a good relationship. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there's a lot of women that are watching porn and they're into that shit too. Intra- right, and they have the right. same kind of ideas about uh, what sex is and and right. and how they should be engaging in it. So there's a mass distortion out there that I just right. I'm not sure how we get out of it. I don't yeah, it's interesting. I don't know that we get out of it as a unified collective. I think it's the same thing with like, you know, you could take vaccines. We don't all get out of it as a unified collective right. because there's a bifurcation in right. the population. And then there's a split between the people who did take the vaccine and people that are now doing you know, doing detox therapy and have woken up and realized like, oh, this maybe this actually wasn't a good idea. And now they're going down some route to to detox themselves to come back on the other side of the spectrum. And so there, there's a huge contingent amongst the population in the I guess the the camp that we're talking about, because it's equally as destructive. It just looks very different. It's not as obvious and it's unassuming, but psychologically and sexually and relationally it is it is you know you could put it in the same kind of category of destructivity to one's own life yeah in the in the future of their life on all all accounts so then you have people that are clearly just stayed clear of it and then you have most of us men that have dabbled with it or gotten really into it and then found our way out of it through addiction recovery methods yeah and then there's so much now on the internet there's a mass movement of people talking about the the neurological, chemical, um, emotional, scientifically backed dangers of pornography, like porno- pornographic induced erectile dysfunction. Like I pointed out, all scientifically yeah. backed. I know from my own personal experience, every man every man that's been it for years knows it without a doubt. Wow. 
And I could go deeper and deeper into yeah, that. Yeah. But, but the point is... Well, it makes sense. But the point is there is a mass movement of education now coming out. I mean, even so even looking at like the Andrew Tates yeah. and these different masculine figures that are highly successful, that are teaching men how to get better with women, how to become healthier, stronger, fitter, more successful, how to become a better, more capable man. Mm-hmm. One of the primary things that all these men talk about is you guys stop jerking off. You guys yeah. stop watching pornography. Yeah. That is one of the keystones of all of that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the message. And everybody, ever, there's not a dude alive who doesn't understand that. It's like, it, sound, it just sounds right. It sounds true. You can't be jerking off all the time. You can't be watching <laughs> porn. I mean, that's it. You know, it's like... And, and, you know, because if you got that much time to be jerking off, um, yeah, man, dude, you probably should be working. You probably should be doing something. But you, you don't know? have any motivation now because you've been jerking off. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's a spiral. And I, well, I think the other thing is, you know, going back to the conversation about the pendulum swinging and feminism, when men stepped back, um, they lost their mission. They lost their they purpose. They lost their purpose. Yeah. Right? Because if my woman is making lots of money, well, I don't need to make lots of money. Like, I'm not, I don't need to be the provider. And right. women are saying, I mean, I even had this with Diana. I was just like, very early on, I was like, okay, like, I'm, um, you, I understand you're, you, she has a job. She's got a successful business. She makes money, all of that. But I was also like, I'm, that doesn't matter to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, I have to I have to make enough money for both of us. Like that's how it works. That's, that's how, how I'm yeah, wired. Totally. Yeah. And she was like, no, no. And I was like, yes, your money is like your money. No, that's my, my money is our, our money. money. I know. It's just what it is, you yeah. know? Yeah. And yes, you can contribute. You can buy, a, you know, whatever. You want to buy a couch or whatever. It's fine, a rug. But I'd rather general, you had your own money for my own sake. Yes, exactly. That's exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that it took her a long time to not a long time, but it took her some time to settle into that because, you know, her father said to her and and, and understandably so it's like, don't be relying on a man, like make your own money. And that makes sense. And if I had a daughter, I'd, I'd probably want to tell her that, too. But once you're in the relationship dynamic, it just makes more sense if you actually decide we're going to we're a unit. Yes, we're together. We're working together. I'm committed to you. Yes. We're committed to each other, life and death, and this is what it is. So now let's each take on our roles. We each have duties and responsibilities. This is mine. This is yours. Let's go, you know, and we can have that conversation, you know, upgrading what the duties and responsibilities are as we go. We want everybody to be happy, but nobody's going to be fucking perfectly happy. Right. Uh, you know, I don't like every responsibility that I have. I don't like taking out the garbage, but I fucking do it, you know, right? because that's what it is. And, uh, it's okay, you know, and it, 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 but it, it, when you're in, once you get into that, um, connection that, and this is all new for me, cause I was a lone wolf all my life. It's all I knew mm. and it felt good. And I felt proud of it in some way because everybody else, everybody else I knew had a hard time being alone. That was not a problem for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, first time I did a vision quest was like four days out by alone. I was like, this is, it was easy. I mean, the vision quest was difficult, but the, the being alone part was yeah. not a problem for me. Yeah. So I had that down. The difficult thing for me was relationship. So I'm learning all of this, but I can now feel the power of what it means to make the commitment to be in relationship in that way and to each have your own duties and responsibilities. And there's something that feels um, uh, deeply spiritual about it. It feels like the, like God is exists in there. 
and um, and I feel uh, more on purpose, more alive. And you, you know, there's also an epidemic of suicide among, right, particularly among men in their fifties. Uh-huh. You know, a lot uh-huh. of guys often themselves. You know, it's it's men who are single or men who maybe are divorced, and um, and I think and I felt this. You know, when I turned fifty, I was not in, in a relationship. I've been very driven my entire life, very focused, very goal oriented, very disciplined, all of that stuff, you know. Um, and, it, you know, it changes a little bit when you get older. It's like, it's not that I'm not driven, but it just has a different quality to yeah, it. I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to prove myself in the world the same way. And I could feel this place of like, what am I, what's the point of any of this? Mm-hmm. Really, what, why, what am I, why? And, and that's when I was realized, like, dude, you need to get into a fucking relationship. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, because if you mm-hmm. don't have a woman to provide for, yeah. like, it's hard to be motivated. T- totally. Totally. It's like, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah. And that's another thing with men, too, is that in a healthy sense, it's kind of a paradox in a way. But in a lot of ways, so much of what men do or aspire to be or to do is for or influenced dramatically through the feminine. That's why I became an actor. How am I going to meet hot girls? <laughs> Where are all the hot girls? They're all like, okay, let me become an actor. Like, why am I not living in a cardboard box right now? Uh, yeah, you know? You know? We, we, we do very... Men typically, generally, historically, archetypally do very well with little. In fact, that's one of the keystones of being a man is resourcefulness. Yeah. It's not necessarily having a lot of resources. It's being resourceful, doing a lot with very little. Yeah. So, I mean, then why else Why else do anything? No, I... I, I so when I was single, I didn't... I would, I had no incentive to... I made enough single, money that I could on, do all the fucking things that I wanted to do. If you're not on purpose or you're not devoted to God, you're jerking off all day. <laughs> Exactly. No, you need you need the incentive. You need this is a big thing for me that I've been thinking about is you have to create leverage for yourself. Right. Um, that foundationally, it's not that I'm lazy, but I'm lazier when I don't when I don't have leverage. So you know, one of the ways to think about this is, um, hmm. you know, when I wanted to run the uh, LA Marathon in 2003, you know, it's a long fucking run. And you got to train for it. And I, you know, so I was like, okay, I'm going to tell everybody I know. I was working on a TV show at the time. I'm going to tell everybody on set. I'm running the LA Marathon. I announced it to everybody and talked about it all the time. So it's like that created the leverage for me to have to actually go through with it, go through with the, go through with the training. There was like this social pressure that I created, right? Mm. And I talk about this in Sweat Lodge. The beauty of Sweat Lodge is you get in there and you're packed in there tight and the rocks come in and it's fucking hot. And there's no way out. I mean, you know, you can get out between rounds, but in the middle of a round, it's, you know, when somebody's singing, it's it's hard to get I know, out. I know. Yeah. You got to kind of fucking deal with it. Yep. And sometimes it gets fucking hot. Oh, I know. And you can start to panic and yep. you've got to figure it out. And you need, you you know, that that ceremony creates the leverage for you to deal with your fear. Because it's there. It's in you to begin with. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so that's, I think, something that's really important. Like you have to put yourself in situations that you can't get out of it. That's why people get married publicly, right? In front of their family, in front of their friends, where they sign a contract and they say the vows. Because now it's like, you know, a year, two years, three years later, 
when things are tough, they're much more incentivized to stay in it because they've made that public pronouncement. So these rituals, these things are are important, right? Right. Because otherwise you're not, you're going to leave when the going gets tough. If I could just get out of the sweat lodge when it got fucking hot, I would get get the fuck out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would rob myself of that deep satisfaction of staying in it when I wanted to leave and finding a way to get through it. And then I get through it and I feel so much stronger on the other side of it. I feel like, fuck, I did that. What else can I do? Right, right. Good point. Mm -hmm. Very good point. One that we could we could expand on for quite a bit. Yeah, I know we're jumping around here. No, and this is this is good, and the, this has had a through line, which is like masculine development, masculine health. Also, I think feminine education and, and development in some areas to understand. Yeah, a little bit about what the masculine uh, experience yeah. is or can be or tends to be for so many men, mm-hmm. and. Um, I guess just in conclusion, what would you say for everyone listening, whether they be man or woman, what would you say to them as good like takeaways from this episode? Well, let's see. I think, you know, for a for a man, as I said, just fixate on your purpose. Like make that your priority. Like marry your purpose. Marry Come your into purpose. sacred union with your purpose. That's right. Okay. It has to be your priority. Yeah. Right. The the woman is going to come. If you're if you wanted to be in a relationship with a woman, she will come. She will come. Focus on yourself. Make yourself as strong as yeah. you can. Um, make yourself physically fit. You know. Figure out how to make a decent income. Put a lot of time and energy into it. Uh, surround yourself with like-minded men. You need a tribe. You need friends. Don't isolate. And you right? need men. You need men. Yes, you need men that are going to hold you accountable. Men that are going to tell you when you're full of shit. Men <laughs> that are going to tell you when you're being lazy yep. uh, in a good way, right? Like we 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 rise to the level of our, of our peers, uh-huh. right? That's how it works. So find powerful men that you respect and... Uh, and ask for help when you when you need it from other men. I, listen, when someone comes to me in a sincere way and asks for help, I, of course, I want to give it to them. You know, um, especially when I feel their good intention, especially when I feel like they're 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 on mission, they're on point. So don't be afraid to ask for help. I mean, that's that's the primary thing for men right now. Yeah, don't jerk off to porn. You know, you know what you have to do. Yes, do it now. If you if you grew up without a father and you. Um, find yourself wanting to take care of the woman's needs or betraying yourself for her. That's something you got to keep an eye on. You got to figure that out. You have to go to therapy. You have to work through that because that's something that's ultimately going to take you down. You need to get clear about what Mm. your blind spots Mm. are around women. Figure out the places where you don't trust them, where you, or you have, um, you're making them into your mommy. You're, you're projecting your unmet childhood needs onto them. That's not going to be attractive. Be honest with yourself. Um, don't deny your emotions. I mean, don't deny your anger. Don't deny your fear. Don't deny your pain. Just be with it. It's okay. You're going to be scared all the time. Life is fucking scary, right? Uh-huh. Me, saying I'm scared changed my whole life. When I'm in a fight with Diana or anything that's going on in my life where I feel agitated or confounded or just upset, I, as quickly as I can, I ask myself the question, well, first of all, I say the words, I'm afraid. Mm. I must be afraid. There yeah. must be something here that I'm scared of. Yeah. And maybe it's just I'm scared to feel something painful. Maybe I'm scared of my anger. I don't know. But then I can orient to 
the problem? Like, what is it that I'm actually afraid of here? Or else I wouldn't be agitated. I wouldn't be defended. I wouldn't yeah. be upset. I wouldn't yeah. be angry. Something's yeah. being triggered. Yeah. What's being triggered, the, the, the defense is a, I'm defending against some fear. So that's the first thing is get comfortable with being, knowing the part of you that's afraid. There's no shame in that, right? The shame is hiding it away. Um, and then for women, I would just say, you know, try to you know to to listen to um to what we're saying is that what do men need um they need to be appreciated they need to be acknowledged mm -hmm. i think more than loved more yeah totally agreed you know i don't need to, i i mean i like to be loved i love i love to be adored totally right I, I love to be desired and wanted but more than anything i like to feel appreciated because that's how i'm wired i'm here to uh, take care to provide and protect and and what feels good for me is like that that's acknowledged and 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 appreciated right and so if if nothing else ladies um if you can give that to your man respect um, and appreciation yeah respect and appreciation yeah and uh and the, the occasional sandwich i mean that it never hurts <laughs> why do you think men fall in love with their waitresses all the time because oh, they're bringing funny. them food it never hurts <laughs> that's true no that's true Right, of course. It never hurts. Of course. Simple. Yeah. Amazing, brother. Well, this was an incredible drop-in. Yes. And a deep dive into such an important topic and one that you are so qualified to speak to on so many levels. Um, grateful to be here with you. Thanks for joining me. And thank all of you that came here to listen. We will catch you on the next episode.